You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. What's up, fellow citizens? For those who are new here, I'm Baratunde Thurston, and this is How to Citizen with Baratunde. Welcome to Season 3. In honor of this new season, I want to tell you about some new stuff and some new ways to connect with us. We got at How to Citizen on Instagram. That's right, so follow us, hashtag it up, and see how we're expanding on the themes of this show in conversation with you. We also have a website, HowToCitizen.com and a new email list that you can sign up for right over there. Looking forward to seeing you. For this first episode, I want to shake things up and take you back to about the year 1983. A very foundational year for me. I was six years old. I wore two tight t-shirts and two short shorts. I loved the movie War Games. And Return of the Jedi. Tomorrow's opening of Return of the Jedi. 
I was addicted to the A-team and pitied the fool that messed with B.A. Baracus. D.C. for me was a place of joy and community and partying all night long to the sounds of Lionel Richie at our block parties. I also recall our family grew at this time. We added a new member. Wasn't a sibling, wasn't a pet. Nope, my mother came home with a computer, a personal computer. For those of you who don't know, my mother was a computer programmer at the advent of the personal computer revolution in the 1970s and early 80s. This is a big deal for a black woman who never got a bachelor's degree and was raising two kids on her own. And having a computer in the home was a rare thing at the time for anybody, much less anybody in my neck of the woods. I didn't know anyone else in my neighborhood or my school who had a computer in their house. We were different. And she came with this Apple IIe computer. Beige and blocky. The Apple II. Small, inexpensive, simple to use. The with the rounded screen and the green blinking cursor. I think she loved it so much, she put it in the corner of her own room. So we had to travel to her room to get to use the computer. It sat on a small table underneath of posters of Black history heroes and inspirational quotes next to the file cabinet with all of our vital information. But the most vital thing in that room was that computer. Oh, I was so excited. And I'd love to pretend from the distance of now that I was excited about the potential to expand my mind and build society in a beautiful human way with this computer. But no, I was just excited to play Dr. J versus Larry Bird over and over and over again. The greatest video game ever invented. So realistic that when you dunked, you broke the backboard and shattered into a thousand little pieces and a little janitor came out sweeping up your mess. Because you were that good. Ever since that time, technology has been a huge part of my life. Most of my career has been inseparable from technology through multimedia storytelling and playful hacking of tech systems and trying to use tech for progressive politics. So yeah, I love tech. But I got to admit, it's getting harder and harder to love. We've gone from a time of Apple IIe's and a world of possibility to the rapid spread of misinformation. Giant tech monopolies, cyber bullies, and AI built on racist data. I thought tech would save the world. Now that world looks a lot more like Black Mirror. And yet, there's still a part of me that believes we can turn it around. So this season, as you've probably already guessed, is going to be all about tech. But instead of the Black Mirror story, we're going to explore the potential of technology. Not the naive potential of those early years, but a renewed, reimagined, and inclusive potential that serves us all. Because I know it's still possible to build that. This podcast is built on the very basic belief that citizen is a verb, something to be acted on. And if we choose to hold it correctly, tech can be our secret citizening weapon. We will focus on the people who are leveraging design and data and code to help us show up for our communities, strengthen our relationships, 
and flex our power to benefit the collective. But before we meet these incredible people, I want to take you where it all started for me. And to do that, I knew I had to speak to my sister. Belinda Yvonne Thurston. I am best known as the older sibling of Baratunde Thurston. (laughs) (laughs) I am a native Washingtonian. I am a journalist, a writer, a speaker, a yogi, a Tai Chi player, a human on this planet. How would you describe your relationship with technology, Belinda? How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Growing up together in a house full of challenges, curiosity, and imagination shapes so much of our worldview. Belinda's got insight, not only as an older sibling who showed up on the planet before me, but she drops serious knowledge from a life lived in exploration and discovery. My sister writes beautifully, observes closely, and is the most spiritually attuned person I know. Belinda's gonna take us all down memory lane, yes. But more importantly, we talk about our mom and how her views on tech would someday shape how I citizen. After the break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? Hello. <laughs> good to see you again. It is good to see you as well. Well, listen, to begin, let's roll back in time a little bit. I remember, though, on Newton Street in D.C., we lived a few blocks from the elementary school, Bancroft. I think it was three, three and a half blocks. And I came out of school one day with my friends. It's probably third grade, maybe fourth grade max. Me and a bunch of little boys. And here you come up the hill. But you're not just like walking up the hill to pick up your brother after school. You're riding your orange 10-speed bike with one hand. And in the other hand, you're carrying my BMX bike. And you're pumping up this hill. And my friends are like, yo, your sister's the coolest person <laughs> in the world. Oh, how'd she do that? She's so strong. What? That's amazing. And I was like, yeah, that's my sister. What? <laughs> Don't you mess with me. You see what she could do with one arm? Imagine what she could do with two. <laughs> so that's like a defining, you know, you have my back. You are literally helping me, you know, get around and like carrying my vehicle while you're riding yours. Uh, a very defining moment to me. <laughs> wow. I wish I had that memory. I, I definitely have bicycle memories uh, and great yeah. adventures. Some that got us in trouble. Well, got me in trouble, not you in trouble, because I'm supposed to be responsible for you and not try to kill my brother. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Thank you for also not killing me. That was good. You're welcome. You're welcome. Although you have accused me of trying to kill you. Um, I mean, I was younger then. You know. <laughs> For the record, um, I've looked up to you and continue to basically every day of my life. And a lot of my path was one like cut first by you, digital media infused with tech stuff. Like you definitely did that first. And when I think about that past life of yours, Belinda, the digital journalist, that ended up being a lot of what I did. Why did you end up leaving that path and going down more of the, the yoga Tai Chi path? Uh, instead? In some ways, the shine and the luster was gone. And uh, I definitely fell out of love with the corporate end of things and mm. the downsizing of newsrooms. And it seemed to be diminishing the value of the people who make the stories happen, um, leaning more toward the technology as though the technology can actually do the storytelling. I'm sorry to disappoint anyone who believes that AI could actually take over storytelling. That isn't going to happen. So I just decided that I felt that I could make a greater impact on the earth uh, outside of newsrooms. 
when I started teaching community-based yoga, donation-based yoga, I really got to know the heartbeat of the community. I had not really had that level of connection with community until I started practicing yoga as yoga community outreach to actually try to embody living the definition of yoga as connection. Yeah, that's, uh, that's beautiful. What year did you leave journalism formally? Formally, 2012. Okay. How would you describe your relationship with technology, Belinda? Uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> My, in some ways, I'm completely fused. In some ways, I'm, you know, try to be as disconnected and unattached and embrace impermanence as much as possible. So, you know, I have some uh, contradictions in myself as a Buddhist, as a yogi, and as a person in modern day life. Okay. And, and how does tech play a role in what you're doing nowadays? Live streaming is wonderful. It allows me to remain as organically myself. But I feel, I feel grateful that, that I'm dexterous enough to be able to roll with the punches at the same time of asking someone, did they breathe? Have they twisted? And where's their mind right now? Is it on inner peace? Or are they frustrated about some bug that just bit them? Mm, this is, uh, I remember checking in with you earlier during COVID and you had figured out some live streaming things that I hadn't quite figured out. I had figured out some lighting things that you hadn't quite. We we're just jamming and swapping notes, not not missing a beat. We are definitely related. <laughs> we just want to put that because I'm hearing you, and I'm like, that sounds that sounds like somebody else I know, another Thurston I know. It felt like the good old days. Yeah. Do you have a memory that you think really illustrates or defines our relationship? You know, I would say for me, really is a little more current, maybe more 20 year, 15 year. Yeah. So we were actually coming back from Montauk. Yeah. Montauk, and Long Island. What so were we doing in Montauk? A, a little bit of background. The Baratuni and I had gone to Montauk with this great dramatic plan of releasing our mother's ashes into the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and then, of course, Belinda tried to kill her brother. because we <laughs> <laughs> I mean, facts, though, because we almost died. We like, did. <laughs> we did almost die. So we, we get out there, and the waves are intense, right? Like... We were attacked by the Atlantic Ocean as far as... There were signs that said, don't get in the water. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. And we ended up just fighting to stand up, to not get overwhelmed, to not get sucked out, bashed up against the rock that we thought of as security. And we're soaked. And we, I, for a long time, I think I still have the T-shirt I bought yes. at the gift shop out there because everything was soaked. Everything was soaked. Yeah. But then... We had to just lead foot it to get back to New York because Baratunde had a show in Times Square. <laughs> so we get into a train and just blaze to go down to Times Square. But we had to change trains. And in the changing of trains, now this is definitely analog tech in the Thurston family is a moleskin a moleskin journal. And Baratunde had notes. 
And when he jumped from that train to go to the platform to get ready to jump into another train, his moleskin fell down between the train into the tracks. And it was like all stop. (laughs) It was all stop. It was a little bit of a freak out moment because you were like, my notes. My, my. my whole comedy career was in that notebook. Yeah. And this was really important, but you had to get there. Like they needed you there early. And we were already like messed up. We just finished having like a life and death moment of, of releasing our mother's ashes. That hasn't even saturated. Um, so I'm like, I got this. I don't know how I'm going to get that thing from down onto the rails, but I wanted you to go. I wanted you to not think about it. Don't worry about it. I've got this. So off you go. I'm here in New York acting like I live there, which I don't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was I living? I was living in Texas at the time. I was in Dallas at the time. Far from New York. Yes, far. Really far. So um, it's not my proudest moment, but it was one of the few moments in my life that I did play the... Uh, damsel in distress card mm. and um, because short of it I was ready to go jumping down there but you know that third rail really freaks me out so um, as it should <laughs> it's designed to the signs say don't jump in right <laughs> so there was an old fella who was doing cleanup with a broom and a dustpan and I just went up and said oh my goodness can you help me out this is like life or death if we don't get that journal down there like life is over for my brother and I want him to succeed in life Um, And this old fella, he jumped down there. He got it for me, handed it to me. I just did some real quick thank yous, some namastes, and off I went trying to figure out what train. And I was rushing. I was pushing people. I didn't care. It was like I was back, you know, in the 80s in D.C. on the metro. I'm running. It felt like I'm just running with with a chalice in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Precious cargo, man. Um, I think you were already getting ready behind stage, but people were just handing hands handbills off and I just thought it was so cool because your name was on the handbill and I was like Lord is my brother I've got his journal you gotta get it to him no I can get it to him nobody else can get it to him (laughs) (laughs) now now why why did that story occur to you as a defining uh you know us and our relationship it's gonna happen we're gonna make it happen there's gonna be a story behind it and just watching you rock it off into amazing success. Oh, well, thank you for being there for me, carrying my bike and uh, getting old men to jump <laughs> on the train tracks. Whatever era, whatever city, Belinda's going to be there. Thank you <laughs> for that. Thank you. Because it's 1983, I'm going to ask you not to touch that dial. We'll be right back. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 
10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Uh, you mentioned D.C. in the 80s. That's when we're from, right, in so many ways. 70s, more for you. 80s, more for me. Uh, let me, you know, get our time zones a little more correct. Okay. But what is it like growing up in D.C.? What are the, the memories you come back to of that period for us being our mother's children, being a D.C. residence? Ah, oh, being our mother's children, it's a really interesting transition time. I actually looked over some pictures you had scanned in some black and whites I hadn't seen in forever. I've got some corn rolls and I'm holding this itty bitty football size baratunde. And, you know, from that time in the late 70s till when I went to high school and certainly by the time you went to high school, that time changed so much from that period of time as far as um, how neighborhoods behaved, um, the quality of life in our neighborhood at that time. You know, it was still relatively safe, albeit poor, when you were born. And then things just got exponentially a little more precarious. How about we just yeah. use that? Precarious. Precarious. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I... 
lived in the more precarious end of that spectrum. Um, as you know, DC in the eighties became less and less stable, uh, more pothole ridden, more drug dealing, more police activity. And so this late seventies, you know, being born in 77, I didn't really know the neighborhood that I was born into. You know, I kind of, I got a, a taste of it and then it was more tension. Don't go out after this. Be careful of that. Avoid such and such. But inside of all of that, like life and technology and modern times were just jettisoning us, you know, into the future. You know, I just want to like cue Jetson music, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this a little bit. Like we barely ever had a 13 inch black and white television with the little clickety, 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 click, you know, whether UHF, you're doing the UHF, VHF, yeah. VHF exactly. Um, and a push button, pull button to, to turn it on and off. Um, yeah. But we had an Apple IIe. <laughs> We had a computer. We, did, right. we didn't have Atari and Nintendo. Um, nope. No, but, you know, we had encyclopedias. We had different things that were, like, nerdy and set us apart. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely didn't earn any kind of street cred in the neighborhood. I didn't wear anything fashionable. I could have had a velour <laughs> sweater. No. I could have had some Nikes and some Adidas when they first came out. No. Right? I'm wearing secondhand whatever whatevers, but mm -hmm. I've got a solar calculator. I've got an Apple IIe, and it just really kind of showed what was, like, really important to Ma as far as, like, yeah. what to give us. The rest of that stuff, you know, it was either irrelevant and or immodertion. <laughs> a word our mother has made up. It was either irrelevant or if we really liked it, look hard and long and remember well. Remember well. Look hard, remember well. How many times can I remember Ma saying that? We're driving down, there's something amazing out the window. I wish I had a camera. We should take a picture. Look hard, remember well. There we go. We were a family with cameras. With cameras. I have Ma's Nikon <laughs> right? F. But so if you look at the things that we valued and the rest, like she really believed in letting us know like what was important and taking that picture and the money that we saved from that, you know, versus do you want some floppy disks? You want to be able to save this stuff? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, this dot matrix printer needs some ribbon. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it was interesting to be a part of that transition time. You know, and at least for me, kind of cusping, right? I feel like I'm, I cusp 70s and 80s. So there's this combination of lack of resource and excess of a certain other kind of resource, being ahead of the curve on certain resources. No cable TV, no Jordache jeans, no velour sweatshirts, no money per se, and yet Apple computers, floppy disks, you know. What's going what is going on financially in the house and like how do you think about resource in this childhood that we had which was split? I think it's appropriating the resources you know based on the real priority. And I think you know if I could dare to try to put myself into Ma's mind, information and knowledge is the gold. You know, she wasn't going to give us any great inheritance and wanted us to be able to invest in ourselves and in our own energy. With that was education. 
a thirst for knowledge and to question that knowledge, always question it. Question authority. <laughs> so just because it's written, you know, what is its source? Where did it come from? Where does it belong in your memory banks? But then access to that information because that information can be freedom, right? That information can end up freeing someone else. And so that to me was her interpretation of being able to give us a leg up. So here's this new thing and it's called this computer thing. You know, she brought home just shy of a punch card mainframe, right? <laughs> let me let me pause you here. So so home from work, um, where our mother worked for the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, Division of the Department of the U.S. Treasury, where she ultimately rose to be a systems analyst, a, a category of computer programming. She wrote in many early languages, including COBOL. I still have some printouts of her COBOL code. And she worked on a computer all day long, making computers do stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we, we couldn't have afforded a computer. Um, and I think I referred to it uh, with you recently. I said, I, you know, I'm pretty sure that that was her version of dumpster diving uh, yeah. as far as being able to retrieve one of these early Apple models. And so that meant that the government was already done with it. Right. And nobody knew what this computer was we had in our house. Like, it wasn't like I could go down the street and be like, hey, <laughs> I got you weren't the, impressing your friends with this. Absolutely not. Right. Because it's just a big black screen and a keyboard and a wide slot for a floppy. Um, you know, you couldn't talk to it. There was no mouse. There was none of none of this. You got a C prompt and that's it. And so, yeah, she's got the equivalent of coming home to her two kids and saying, here, play with this. <laughs> and, and we did. You know, we figured out ways to play really boring games that were just... Those text-based games? Text-based games. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit of memory lane. I was a huge fan of the television show Knight Rider with the Trans Am. Yes. Dun -dun 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 -dun. The Kit 1000. Dun -dun. Night Industries 2000. The yeah. very first uh, basic program that I ever created. I actually wrote to the producers of that show. They sent me schematics of the car. And I wrote a program that had four functions. So you could choose to have the Trans Am come to you. And so I had to, uh -huh. it was just a short horizontal line and it got wider and wider and wider as it came up on the screen yeah. I did make a car jump and then had it say like Michael I don't advise that or something like that yeah. right so you could do that but it, there was no voice there yeah. and I forgot what the fourth thing was and yeah hands down like I won at, at Banneker High School <laughs> computers and I ended up subbing and being an aide for the rest of my high school career because of writing that program wow I didn't even know you made that program on the Apple on the Apple in the basic programming language that's I'm, I'm glad we're doing it because I didn't know that about you. And I remember Knight Rider. That was like a religion then it, then it, in our home it. to watch yeah. this show. I remember the theme song still. It was one of the coolest shows ever. Hasselhoff, David Hasselhoff. Yep, yeah. um, but the fact that you brought that show to life uh, on a computer is a very different childhood. You know, <laughs> like... But, but you know what it really makes me also kind of see is a bit of fusion between yeah. like 
the information element that I'm telling you about that the Ma felt like, okay, what can, what can I help impart? What can I help facilitate for, for these two beings that, that she, you know, brought into this world? Not only our pursuit of knowledge and understanding of the world around us, but sci-fi. Yeah. And yeah. sci-fi was becoming real in, in our lifetime and in her mm-hmm. lifetime. Right. So Ma was kind of like a first gen Trekkie um, and watching tons of original Trek. So I remember when, you know, the first Trek movie, I stood in line. I didn't get dressed up, but I definitely stood in line, you know, wanting to have a, a, a tricorder, yeah. uh, always being able to have a triple joke, all of that kind of stuff. By the time, you know, right before she passed, I had a razor phone. I would flip it up. And just make the click, click sound, you you know, just because it was my own little tricorder. And to have information in the palm of our hand. There's another bridge that I see here. And then I want to talk a bit more about Ma directly. But you've described like access to information uh, for sure is is a big, big part. And and the storytelling influence. there's also the creative, though, and I think what I love about your story of the Knight Rider video game is that you made something, right? It wasn't just consume, download, read, watch, listen. It was make. Uh, it was put something out there. It was infusing your cultural reference, your joke, your point of view into something using tech. And that's an age-old battle, but we were really early to try to find that balance, I think, because of our mother. I have some difficulties with the current day usage of the term, oh, such and such is a techie. And they're really just referring to a consumer and they're referring to the end user. And it does sadden me as to how little a lot of these so-called techies actually know about how things work. And I think that Ma wanted us to understand how things work. Be mm-hmm. the person who creates. In more ways than one. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. Whether it's socially, whether it's politically, or technologically, because that's that's the power. And so, knowing how things work is being as fully informed, you know, as we can be, understanding all ends of it, understand the experience as the initiator, inventor, creator, so to speak, as well as what's the end user experience. I'd like you to paint a scene for me. Your earliest memory of Ma. Sights, smells, sounds. What do you got? That would have to be uh, growing up in the Envoy Towers. And I think it's now referred to as the Envoy. On 16th Street, right across the street from Meridian Hill Park. So if anybody is familiar with D.C., you'll know exactly where this big high-rise is. Now Malcolm X Park. Yeah. Malcolm X Park. Um, but across the street from the apartment building, so on our side of 16th Street, was a great big hill. And we would walk over to that hill and uh, picnic there. Um, so I'm about five, you know, five or six years old. And um, she would let me make Dagwood peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So what does that mean? Bread, peanut butter, jelly, bread, peanut butter, jelly, bread, peanut butter, jelly, bread, peanut butter, jelly. (laughs) Wow. 
God. That's where, now I know why I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches so much. So a big stack. So of course, by the time you get across the street, it's like a mush sandwich. But she was always like, wow, that is the biggest thing. Wow. She would eat this thing that that I made for her, but we would lay out a blanket. I would feed her this ginormous, ridiculously large glop of a sandwich. And we would lay and look up at the clouds. And she would say, tell me what you see, Belinda. And she would always be absolutely amazed at anything that I thought that I saw. And she would encourage it. Wow, you see an elephant all in that little spot? What's over there? So it is definitely one of my most treasured memories of just laying on my back, side by side with Ma, pointing up at the sky, and her going, wow. You see all of that? Mm. Yeah. That's a beautiful memory. That's beautiful. Did you observe any of the stress that she felt or any opinion she shared about working as a Black woman in this kind of techie environment, in this government job? Any, uh, you know, did she like being a programmer as far as, you know, your conversations with her or what you observed in uh, being around her? In some ways, this conversation is helping reframe a little bit of that memory with Ma for me because seeing how stressed out and angry and tired Ma was every day, how ignored and exploited she felt because she was often, especially toward the end of her career, she was training new college graduates, usually white kids, how to do the job, and then they would end up with a higher grade than she was. I know that, you know, she would apply for different promotions and not get them. I know that she had a little bit of solidarity, felt felt like a little bit of sisterhood and support, other women of color, but that otherwise, I, I know that she felt really isolated and alone as a single parent and as someone in that workplace and not feeling any of that support. Uh, I remember pulling her boots off when she got home and see how tired she was. I know that nowadays I have a lot more forgiveness in my heart for understanding like how abrasive she may have been when she got home. Because yeah, yeah, her coming home from work wasn't roses, right? I needed to make sure I had the homework was done, the chores were done. You, you know, let's get these boots off of this woman and get some food in her face so that she's a little happier. You know, because if I would imagine her being able to work in a positive workplace environment nowadays mm-hmm. and be able to play, let loose her creative, playful self, I I don't know what she would have programmed and created. Uh, I know that it would have been wondrous. It would have been magical. It probably would have had to do something about super consciousness or maybe something that went into our lineage and history. And she would have taken her astrology programs to a whole nother level. You know, and I hope that workplaces today are able to nurture and facilitate innovation and playful intellect because I know that Ma was playful about math. She was playful about science. And I didn't get that gene. I thought that you guys were the ones who were all about that gene. I was just like, "Uh uh-huh, whatever, two plus two equals four. I got it. That's, I mean, it's your wish for Ma is in part what she gave you at Meridian Hill Park, right? That encouragement, that playfulness, that tell me what you see. 
and being excited about your creative interpretation of that little patch of sky. I, I love that so much. I too removed her boots at the end of the workday. Uh, that was a, a daily occurrence. And so yeah, feeling the stress, the impact of the stress on her body um, was something we shared across the nine years. I want to know if there was something that you remember mom marveling at when it came to technology. The ooh and the ah, right? Yeah. As TVs got to be more HD, so different sound technology in the theaters, and feeling her reaction sitting beside us, because I'm like, it's not that real. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it, just to see, it was almost like watching, having our own kid, you know, and, yeah. and her wonder and excitement at computers getting smaller and smaller. You know, that MacBook that she had, you know, her last MacBook, that was her, that was mm, baby. 12-inch power book. She was protecting that thing to the very that end. That was her baby and her playlists it of really all was. of her Tina, all of her Miriam Makiba. You know, she got to have all of what was vital to her at the, at the tip yeah. of her fingertips there. Yeah, like I said, I think that she was, she would marvel at the future being right here at our fingertips and and all that it could help us unleash more of today. And I, you know, I don't know whether she would like the Facebook portal or not, or whether she would be turning it off and being like, no, you're in my house. No, you're bugging me. <laughs> and then having us look up the stuff she didn't want on her search. Exactly. If you had to pick a word to describe our mother, Arnita Lorraine Thurston, what would that word be? Becoming. Why? I just feel like from all of the different um, chapters of her life and uh, watching her grow through it and eventually letting me see lots of it, that she was always constantly becoming you know, dealing with whatever the past layers were, but but always having the courage to continue to reach toward whatever it is that she could see for herself, inside of herself, and know that there was still something more to grow in spirit and in intellect and in healing. Um, and that she wasn't done. And she was always moving into something there, there's always another way to level up. You know, I don't know if you remember, like, when, when Mom passed, that I said, I know that right then and there, I was quite impressed and stunned that she was still parenting through her, through her death. You know, those last weeks, she wanted us to be aware of what she was aware of what she was experiencing, and what she still was treasuring and enjoying. She was not ending. She was still living. And still becoming. She was still becoming. Yeah, that's a good word. It's the best word. And it's it certainly aligns with how I see her life and kind of makes sense of the story of her life, too. Um, that she was always growing and trying to learn and uh, in her ways address some of the pains uh, of this life. 
that she lived extraordinary, extraordinary life. The remarkable achievement I will credit our mother and the legacy she left us, other than the thirst for knowledge and a bunch of computers, is um, which are important. There was important assets and important points of view and perspectives on the world. But it was uh, is that the self love, you know, this like she was finding. I saw her finding a way to to love herself. And I remember the stories of her childhood that she would share with me where there wasn't always a lot of love there. Sometimes there was, but there was also a lot of, you're not this, you're not that, you're too this, you're too that. And I felt like I got to see someone who had shed a lot of those stories about herself and adopted some new ones. And so it's very inspirational, painful, you know, especially in her absence, but also beautiful. The parenting continues, you know, even like this very second. I'm like, oh, I'm still learning from this lady, you know, she's still here. Uh, getting to talk to you about her is like bringing her back in some uh, beautiful and new ways. So so we are also becoming yes. uh, because of hers. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I like to, even in my own, um, you know, work, say that um, we're not only just being, but but we are just becoming and to never feel as though anything has finality because it doesn't, yeah. you know, I mean, Ma always had a ring on her hand that was infinity. You know, she really believed in the impermanence and yet the infinity of it all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know that if she were here today with all of our streaming and our ability to pop in on all kinds of wondrous conferences and whatnot, like she wouldn't have to do what y'all did back in 2000, 2001, crashing my Buddhism in America conference in Colorado. She could have just like streamed into it. (laughs) um, First of all, I I remember going to that conference. I believe we were invited. (laughs) That's the story I'm telling myself. And it was really good to see you. And Colorado is beautiful. So. <laughs> it, it was. But yeah, she would she would be sucking in she, more. Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. And yeah. and she would really be enjoying being able to pop in on something live with the Dalai Lama right now. What live mm-hmm. right now with Angela Davis? What you, you know? She would just be all in all of it. And I think that she would be having a play day every day. Yeah. She would be blowing up our phones. Yep. Oh, I have no doubt she would be constantly up in our devices. Yes. Like, have you heard about this? Check this out. What do you ooh, think ooh, this ooh. means? Can you get yeah. that for me? Can you ooh, do ooh, that? Ooh. Hey, you, uh, you're going to come over here? This you got to come over there. Let's yeah. all go do. I signed us up for. <laughs> <laughs> we would just get confirmations from like Eventbrite. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't why how did this end up on my calendar? She would just add stuff to the Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being my sister and thank you for doing this conversation thank with you. me. Thank you. I appreciate being able to create like memories and take Ma from analog into digital, you know, with this kind of technology, being able to look, you're on one coast, I'm up here in Michigan. We're able to connect and share uh, storytelling, uh, love of information and this technology element right now. So keeping her alive, she gets to still be becoming. Mm, that's a perfect ending. Belinda, you're a perfect sister. <laughs> Number one brother, because that's how Ma would have rolled. Our mom called uh, each of us the number one daughter, number one son. So yeah, no so there we go. Oh. From a BT to BT. I love you, Belinda. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Having this ability to share my mother's influence on me and my sister, it feels like she's still here. Still teaching and challenging and questioning right here in the room. When I think back on these life lessons my mother passed on, I realize she is the model of how to citizen. She gave me these gifts of creativity and resourcefulness and innovation. She was really into trying to build community and deepen her connection with herself. She was into becoming more of her and really trying to grow herself, which is a hard and brave thing to even attempt, much less make some progress on. As we move on from my origin story into this season, I want us to keep the wisdom of Mama Thurston in the back of our minds. Our guest this season harken back to some of her same fundamentals and build on our mission to connect, humanize, and reclaim our power. When we return, we're going to get the crash course from the no mercy, no malice man himself, Mr. Scott Galloway. Mark Zuckerberg, and I've said this before, is the most dangerous person in the world. That's right. Tech and business expert Prof G is in the house to help me set the stage as to how things got to where they are and what can get us out of this mess. Thanks for listening, and I can't wait to get started. Talk soon, and keep citizening. How to Citizen with Baratunde is a production of iHeartRadio Podcast and Dustlight Productions. Our executive producers are me, Baratunde Thurston, Elizabeth Stewart, and Misha Youssef. Our senior producer is Tamika Adams. Our producer is Allie Kiltz, and our assistant producer is Sam Paulson. Stephanie Cohn is our editor, Valentino Rivera is our senior engineer, and Matthew Lai is our apprentice. Original music by Andrew Epen, with additional original music for season three from Andrew Clausen. This episode was produced and sound designed by Tamika Adams. Special thanks to Joelle Smith from iHeartRadio and Rachel Garcia at Dustlight Productions. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.